Dancers are badass heroes who deserve a break. Let's give it to them. Consider this episode of Get Money to be the freelancer's guide to finance. Yo, for all my freelancers out there putting in all that work, I just want to remind y'all, you're worth that good day rate. You're worth that contract. You deserve every penny you get. And make sure that those folks who are getting those fire services that you're giving them, they're paying you on time, they're respecting your work, and that they're hooking you up with future work. Because nobody could do you the way you do you. This is Get Money, a podcast about getting your financial shit together. Get money! Money. Today's topic, freelance finance. I'm Amber, and I'm here with Carl. I spent five years working on Wall Street, and I'm a law student. AJ. I'm a certified financial planner and an enrolled agent. And Shane. Uh, I'm a CPA and a CFP. I own a tax firm. Uh, and a financial planning firm with AJ. I can run a seven-minute mile. You wish. Wow, I was, that's <laughs> Is that fast? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's really fast. Oh, that's very impressive. <laughs> I, I made that up. I didn't know if that was fast or slow. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Today we have a super special guest. She's a best-selling author, actress, comedian, podcaster, and what I'd call an expert freelancer. Gabby Dunn, host of the podcast and writer of the book Bad With Money, is here with us to teach us her ways. Hello, Gabby. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. We're so excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amber was a guest on Bad With Money, so if you want to check out her episode, just Google her name and then Bad With Money. I Google Amber like every other day. <laughs> yeah, there you go. She As writes. I'm sure all your listeners do. <laughs> She's so prolific. <laughs> so Gabby, we're here to talk with you about money. Mm-hmm. Gabby, what do you do to get money? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, I'm a writer and I mostly do TV writing and then I have my podcast, Bad With Money, and then another podcast called Just Between Us. And I've written some books and then a comic book that came out in October. So it's just kind of like all all sorts of creative projects, like basically like whoever will have me, but it is all freelance and came from like basically being a freelance writer for years and years. So how did your like financial situation change in terms of how you manage money from going from being a full-time employee to Mm -hmm. being a freelancer? So like my financial situation changed in that I... I was making more money in these very weird lump sums. And then I didn't know how much do you save for taxes? Like how, you know, what do you do with this lump sum? Do you invest it? Do you, what do you, where does it go? Like any of that. And for a long time, I just didn't, I just, I just blew through it and like didn't do anything and didn't know and didn't learn anything. And then when I started Bad With Money, I basically learned that like being bad with money is just ignoring it's not like how much money you have or how much is coming in. It's it's what I was doing, which was just turning a, a blind eye to basically anything to do with money. Uh, and so as I started making more money, I was very, very stressed out. And so that has caused me to not necessarily become better with money, but better with keeping an eye on it and 
learning and not feeling like, okay, because I don't immediately know what to do with a payment, I'm a bad person who should lay on the floor and cry instead of, I don't know, finding out what to do with it, basically. Do you have any tips for people who are making the transition to freelancing full-time? You have to maintain your power as the freelancer, but it's so easy to be like, I'll just do whatever you want, please. Just give me the job. Give me the money. But you have to value yourself. You have to, like, make sure it's worth your time. You have to, like, don't be afraid to push back. Like, if they say this number or if they say, oh, God forbid, when they go like, well, how much do you think it should be? Which is the worst mind game of all time. Say something really high and see what happens. (laughs) Worst thing is they go, no, but what about this? But it's terrifying because you're just in, you're in charge of all the minutia of everything. And please remember to take taxes out of your of whatever check you get. That was the, my undoing for a long time. What was it like filing taxes for the first time as a freelancer? A full nightmare. <laughs> um, I didn't grow up with money or anything, so I never had any money. So I thought taxes was just like you turn it in and then you get a refund. Hooray. I had no I had no clue. No clue. I thought you just got money back. What is the worst financial advice you've gotten? Don't buy coffee. Don't buy your avocado toast. Blah, blah, blah. Ugh. I hate it. It's so condescending. It's so uh, missing the point of what people are going through. That when I hear that stuff, I'm like, oh, you have no concept of the real world at all. I hate hate it so much. I also (laughs) appreciate that you said don't buy coffee just after taking a sip of like very nice coffee as well. It's like, yes, I'm going to have this coffee. Like, let me know. The idea that that people with less money should not have any sort of pleasures in life is so maddening. Are you good with money now? Um, No. But I am aware. And that is the point. Like, I think like when I say bad with money, I truly I, I like when I started the podcast, I never looked at my bank account, never looked at my bank account, overdraft constantly was like, you know, would get paid for like freelance stuff and then immediately blow through it, had like a bunch of credit card debt and then had not even looked at my student loans like didn't even, didn't know if they were, like, they would maybe be getting paid. I don't know. I had no idea. Had never even Googled, like, what do you do when, you know, someone gives you a freelance contract? Like, nothing. I was just like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Here you go. And then slowly, even just starting so small with, like, printing out my bank statements and looking at what I spent money on was, like, incredibly painful. I cried for three days. Horrible. But, like, coming, getting good with money, quote, unquote, to me was, like, lifting the veil and like just going in and looking at stuff. And then when I started to make money, I was able to to not just be backpedaling and filling up, you know, holes that I had made, but like move forward a little bit. Gabby, thank you so much for coming on to get money. You've been an absolute joy to talk to. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. No problem. So great to meet you. I've been following your show for so many years. Oh my God. Thank you. I'm thank you. Money, 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 Have any of you guys freelanced before? And if so, what was the worst rate you were ever given? Seven or so careers ago, I was a recipe developer and a website would pay me $35 to come up with an original recipe, which required, you know, hundreds so dollars of groceries, three or four hours to test the recipe, another hour to write it up. They paid me $35 uh, for each original recipe and surrounding copy around it. I asked for a raise to $50 a recipe, and they said no and never responded to another email ever again. (laughs) Damn. 
Wow. The end That's of your brutal. freelance career. Wow. <laughs> that sounds like a part-time job in retirement. Yeah, that is the dream. <laughs> that is the, that's the move there. Damn, that was dark. I don't know if I can follow that. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm a financial planner. <laughs> <laughs> when I think of if I freelanced, I almost think of it in the like utmost of freelancing where I'm like, yes, I have in fact worked for free many times. <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. I mean, I've owned businesses. I'm, can you call me a uh, freelancer now? Yeah, kind of. When I see a freelancer, I'm thinking of a writer, photographer that has 25 different 1099s from all the different uh, contracts or the different jobs that they've worked. Shout out to them. That's tough work. A 1099 is a type of IRS form known as an information return and is what companies who use freelancers must send to the IRS and to the freelancers they pay. Most freelancers will get several of these leading up to tax season. Hold on to them. Do people have any tips for negotiating when it comes to freelancing? Negotiating their rate, negotiating how much money or how much work they get. Always remember to be clear about the value that you're adding to your client. You know, what clients tend to do is they tend to say, well, I could just go to another photographer or I could just go to another writer, right? And you need to make clear that the type of work you do is very different than somebody who does similar work than you. Maybe your editing process is much better. Maybe you have a superior camera, right? You should express that and your client should know that and you should price that in. So I think this comes back to something we talk to our freelancers about all the time, which is, is a concept of sharpening your blade, wherein you, when you first start with a new service, you probably shouldn't charge as much as the industry average because you're just starting out, right? And uh, you, you want jobs. You, it's easy to get jobs if you're underpriced. People are always looking for a cheap avenue to get something done. If it can be crude, do a crude job and, and get that money and then enhance your skills and sharpen your blade. And then as your blade gets sharper, you can start to demand more industry average. You can lift your game up and start to charge higher rates for your work. And then you can start to differentiate the type of services that you perform at that higher quality. And differentiation is the only way that people are going to pay a premium, right? For anything that's commoditized, like in tax return space, for example, to differentiate myself, I started doing tax returns in a bar. Um, I had this service where I would be sitting in the back of a quiet cocktail bar and people could come in. The first drink was on me, just like when you get a haircut and they offer you a beer at some of these cool barbershops. Um, you get a cocktail, you get your tax return done in an hour, you have some nice music, kind of like a date in the back of this little cocktail bar with your tax accountant. There's a little lamp and then we knock out your tax return. And it's a nice way to differentiate yourself and you can charge a premium for such a unique service like that. And for me personally, it, it, it helped me like get the eye of the press and I started to get published in blogs and ended up on TV and even national TV and it was really healthy for my career and brought me to where I am now. I think part of being a freelancer is owning your own schedule and owning your time. So to figure out how much your time is worth, how much does it cost you personally to do an hour of work for someone? Um, that's a great way to build a fee, even if you're not charging someone hourly, give them an estimate. You know, transparency. If you are upfront with a potential client about what's, what it's going to cost, you know, they can work with you a little bit. Um, you know, always negotiate. And if you find that you're not getting paid, you're sending your invoices out and you don't get your payment, follow up. There should be recourse for companies that don't pay freelancers. Scam likely. Everyone wants to get their hands on your money. Here are a few tips to protect your pockets. Watch out for contract scams if you're a freelancer. Don't get ripped off. You are the master of your own contract. Get everything in writing and put net 14 on your invoice. That means the company that hired you has to pay you in two weeks. If you're not paid on time, what options do you have? In New York City, there's the Freelance Isn't Free Act, which protects contractors from non-payment. 
Many cities and states have similar laws. Do your research. Nobody else is going to do it for you. Which documents should freelancers be keeping and collecting? Receipts, bank statements, 1099s. Um, those are the main ones. Tax time is really tough on freelancers, among other things like insurance and bookkeeping and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's often they come to me and they, they have no idea how much money they earn during the year. They got no receipts. Those are some of the things I would love for them to have. Yeah, I think a lot of freelancers start to freelance and they don't quite know if they're ready to make the jump. So they're using personal credit cards for expenses related to freelance. So our advice is just keep it separate. Keep your business and personal separate. You know, you might be wanting to push those write-offs a little bit more. You know, you went out to dinner with friends, want to write it off. But we find that if you actually separate and you actually track your expenses, you actually come up with more expenses rather than just trying to make it all up at the end of the year. How do taxes work differently for freelancers? Mm, very differently. Obviously, very differently. Yeah, for, for W-2 people, the IRS um, just has their W-2s on file. And as long as they file their tax return with those W-2s and it matches up, no problem. A W-2 form, also known as the wage and tax statement, is the document an employer is required to send to each of their employees and the IRS at the end of the year. The W-2 form reports the employee's annual wages and the amount of taxes withheld from their paychecks. If you only have one job, you will receive one of these before tax season and your taxes will probably be pretty straightforward. You own a business if you're a freelancer. End of story. The IRS considers you a small business. So you need to act like one. Um, otherwise, it's going to bite you in the ass later. thing about a business is it's, there's no way for the IRS to keep track of how your business did. They don't get every one of your transactions, every single one of your transactions. They haven't totaled up your revenue, and they're not waiting for you to report that exact amount of revenue. So you self-report um, your income and expenses to the IRS, which lends some human error to the process. There's, uh, it's a very highly audited uh, form. Tax returns for freelancers are, have the highest audit rate. So that's something they got to watch out for. Um, they've got access to special retirement accounts. Um, their taxes are often higher because they're subject to self-employment taxes, which bites them in the ass all the time. It's just a straight 15% on the net income of their business. So if they made $100,000, they've got $15,000 to, to cough up just for self-employment taxes. Um, so it's a lot spicier. And uh, we advocate for all freelancers to have a tax accountant, even, even small amounts of freelance income, because there's ways to goof that up easily. And there's ways for a tax accountant to pay for themselves easily because of that. Yeah, and I think as a freelancer, don't ignore retirement savings. You have so many options, so do some research. You can save a lot in taxes this year and in the future by opening a SEP IRA, a solo 401k, or just a regular IRA. What is a piece of advice that like, you want every freelancer to know? The law student in me says a lot of people operate as sole proprietors and they don't realize that some of their activities, they can be held liable for them. Um, if a freelancer borrows money, they are liable for that money to be paid back. But when you're an LLC, that liability shifts to the actual company itself. So I would say file an LLC. A limited liability company, an LLC, is a corporate structure in the United States. LLCs combine the characteristics of a corporation with those of a partnership or sole proprietorship. For freelancers, it's good to know that LLC owners are not personally liable for the company's debts or liabilities if there's legal action taken against them. Money, 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 money,
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Let's bring in our producer, Ivana, to ask a question that she's not too afraid to ask. So you were talking about how taxes can work pretty differently for freelancers. Can you talk to me a little bit about deductions? Like, what are they exactly and how do they help? So, yeah, deductions for freelancers are special because freelancers can really deduct anything that's related to their business as long as it's, quote, ordinary and necessary, according to the IRS. And ordinary and necessary means that you need it. It's necessary for you to run your business. I mean, you can argue what is and isn't necessary, and there's gray area on that. But ordinary is an interesting one as well, like the other the other code words. So like, yeah, it's ordinary for me to take an Uber to this podcast recording, but it's not ordinary for me to take a helicopter to this podcast recording, right? Like that would that would that that would be a flex. <laughs> yeah, that, that deduction wouldn't be allowable. So those two things, which really opens the door to if depending on what type of business you have, is a lot of things. So if I am a freelancer, for mm -hmm. example, who works from home. Mm -hmm. Could I write off my rent? Of course, yeah. Yeah, That's I love that deduction. The, a lot of older accountants in like the 80s and 90s, it was uh, pretty, it was kind of a red flag to write off a home office, but it has become more acceptable by the IRS over the past 20, 30 years. So we don't shy away from that. To be clear, you can't write off your whole rent. Yeah. Um, unless you're running a separate space for your office. Um, but, you know, in New York City, for example, a lot of us don't have separate nice private offices. Usually it's a dining room table or a living room situation. Um, you just you get out a tape measure and measure the amount of space that you're using. So for a lot of people, it's, you know, a little nook in their bedroom with a desk. You can say that's uh, that's three feet by six feet. And then you take the total square footage of your home and the percentage that your home office, that square footage, that's the deduction you get of your rent. So it's a kind of confusing calculation, but any there's lots of calculators online to figure it out. And that's the amount that you get to deduct. So deductions, just to like put numbers to it. So say we have a cell, my cell phone bill is $100 a month. Mm -hmm. So for 12 months. So at the end of the year, do I just get $1,200 back because I had to have a cell phone? I should back up. So we pay income taxes, right? So we pay 
you know, we get to income and then we apply a percentage against that, that number. So you've got, to get to that income number, you've got revenue that you earn from your business. Let's say it's $50,000 from what, what business would it be, Ivana, that you're running? Podcasting. Podcasting. So you made $50,000 podcasting, $50,000, and then you've got deductions. You've got Ubers you took to recordings. You've got your home office deduction. Let's say that's $5,000. And then you've got your cell phone. So those three deductions get your net income. So you get your revenue of 50, and then you get, let's say your your expenses add up to 10,000. So your net income is $40,000. That's what you pay tax on. And that's what the percentage is applied to. So if the tax rate was 10%, you'd pay $4,000 in taxes. So the the expenses reduce the number that the percentage is applied to. But it doesn't reduce your taxes by $1,200. It reduces the income that you pay taxes on by $1,200. Okay. Yeah, that's, that makes it a lot more clear. Cool. Wow, that was an amazing explanation. Oh, cool. Thanks. I thought that was getting muddy. <laughs> <laughs> So, Amber, who gets money? Riri. Yes, Rihanna. First of all, it's because of, obviously, the song Bitch Better Have My Money, which not only inspired my own newsletter, but I think is sort of the freelancer anthem everywhere. But she's just really amazing at having a bunch of different kind of clients and customers in a bunch of different industries. So she's got, like, her music and her touring, obviously. She owns Fenty Beauty, um, which, like, is worth more than $3 billion. She has... Uh, a low-cost laundry brand as well um, called Savage X by Fenty. Then she's got like a luxury fashion brand and has a line with Puma. And she's in a bunch of movies. So I just think she's like a really great version of being a multiple income stream queen. Oh, she getting money. Mm-hmm. Damn. And she's so hot. She's so hot and she gets money. Facts. This is how you get money. Finance for freelancers can be complex, but there are some things you can do to help simplify it. Number one, you have to have a separate bank account and or credit card for business expenses, no matter how small a business you are. It just clears things up a ton. Number two, freelancers have super special tax advantage retirement accounts available to them, which allow for savings for the future and a smaller tax bill now. You take money from one pocket and put it in the other and you just pay less taxes. Here are three important tips to take into consideration if you're a freelancer. Number one, if it's your first year freelancing, you might be shocked by a larger tax bill than you're used to paying. There's no more automatic withholding of the tax you owe from your paycheck, so you have to calculate what you owe on your own, or with the help of an accountant. Number two, don't sleep on the SEP IRA. You can contribute about 20% of your net freelance income to this special retirement account. The best part is that the deadline to contribute is when your tax return is due, not by the end of the year. So April 15th or October 15th if you go on an extension. If you're interested in turning your side hustle or freelancing income into something a little bit more legit, you'll need an EIN or an employer identification number. You can get one for free from the IRS or an accountant can help you set one up. And if you're a freelancer, just remember, you are a real business already. And remember, all you freelancers out there, freelancing and owning your own business is one of the best ways to generate wealth in this country. You're out here hustling and making a dollar for yourself. So good on you. We see you.
Are you listening to Spotify right now? If so, hit follow. If you learned something from Get Money, we want to know. We get really excited when you guys text us. Hit us up at 917-905-6636 and tell us how Get Money has changed your life for the better. I need money to make movies. I'm a filmmaker, but I haven't had um, a big project yet. Get Money is an original production from Gilded Audio and Acast Studios. And I'm trying to get to the next level, but it's, you know, obviously very hard to talk people into giving money to someone who's new and just starting out. Next week's episode is all about credit. Credit cards, credit scores, credit, credit, credit. You know, sometimes I think about if I had a surplus of cash, I could just um, pay for my own stuff and that would be amazing instead of waiting for other people to give me the green light. Check us out at getmoneypodcast.com and follow us at getmoneypod on Instagram. We got some work to do. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.